murder because it's no longer the health of the mother. The baby is alive and it's, it's actually holding its own. It's in this world and a week into existence, a week into this world, you still have the option to end this life. That is pure murder. Yep, that sure is. And we will not escape as a nation. The Lord said, you just you fill the land with blood, innocent blood. There's just no way. People think that they're getting away with things. You know, they feel like because everything is going their way that... Right. That, you know, God isn't going to do anything about it. But he's just is patient. He sits back and he waits. Because he's giving people a chance to change their ways. Right, like he did with uh, children of Israel. Uh, he was talking to Ezekiel, and the people were so rebellious. You would think that after they were brought into captivity, they would have humbled themselves. They doubled down on their sins. They were so bad, and they were so uh, contrary, and to provoke a person, the Lord had to take the ability for Ezekiel to speak. He had to make him mute, because... They would provoke him probably to say something that he shouldn't say. So the Lord just, just took the ability for him to speak away, and then he only let him speak when he wanted him to uh, relay a message that God wanted them to hear. People are just, we've got to that point here in these United States where we are so wicked and so evil as a nation. We have people who are praying, but as a nation, we have gone astray because anytime you let a group of people Passed legislation that will kill a child after the child is brought into the earth, and you can't say that it's because of your health, because here you are healthy and the baby is, is alive and, and sustaining and holding its own, and you still want to end the baby's life. That's infant side. You're killing a living human being. Here's another article that was sent to me. This is uh, last month and. Uh, Kamala Harris was holding an abortion roundtable with religious leaders. And in her opening remarks, she was saying, we need faith. And you would, uh, you know, just to start out reading this and listening, well, yeah, maybe she's right. We do, we do need faith, you know. And then she says, we need faith in each other, in our nation, and in our future. She added that faith leaders who are gathered here today, representative of many faiths, different communities, but share a common purpose, which is to bring healing, hope, and a sense of community to all people. But you know what? You can only have healing and hope if you turn to the Lord. Right. You know who? I mean, you turn to your nation, turn to each other. You, who, how can somebody comfort you? How can somebody heal you? Nobody can. So on the issue of Roe, of it, of course, this is a quote, basically the premise of Roe and the power of Roe is it is about saying that people should have the right to make decisions about their own bodies, that women should have the right and have unfettered access to reproductive health care. Harris insisted that supporting Roe v. Wade does not mean giving up core beliefs, claiming that it is simply about agreeing that a woman should be able to make a decision with her faith leader, with her family, with her physician, and that the government should not be making that decision for her. But 
I go out on a limb and venture to say that very few women, before they decide to have an abortion, will have a discussion with their faith leader, their pastor, their minister. Sometimes their family don't, fam, most of the time I'd say their families don't even know about it. All right. Maybe just some physician that they don't know, that they've never been to, would know about it. You know, so it would be nice if, if women would just say, go to church and, and talk to their pastor and say, this is how I feel. You know, right. I'll bet you they, they wouldn't get a pat on the back and say, go ahead, my dear. And if they did With it, my I, blessing, I, I feel sorry for them if they have a spiritual leader who would co-sign on murder. There's something wrong if, if that happened. Mm -hmm. So last week we ended our program um, talking about what we were going to talk about today, which was people who have had abortions are sharing why they never, not for one second, regretted their decision. Who, and, they and, and never regretted their decision about abortion. I couldn't care less if they, if they never regretted their decision because it's the baby's rights that we are concerned about, and especially since it's gone beyond the womb. It's the right of the child. Someone has to speak up for the innocent who cannot speak up for themselves. And for these people to go around, and the Lord talked about the womb, they should read 139th Psalms. It talks about how the Lord knew a person, he's, he, when they're in the womb, he knows your child. And he says that in Isaiah, too. Yes, he knows your child when you're in the womb. So you're taking a life and you don't have the authority to do it, you're doing that, but you're gonna to have to pay for it. There's a consequence behind so those some actions. Of the reasons, some of the reasons are, and, and I bet that for every one person that says that they don't regret their abortion, there's probably a hundred who do. Yes. But, but they don't come, you know, you don't hear about that. Mm -mm. This one woman says, I was 19 when I had an abortion. I was on meth, my boyfriend at the time was on meth. And he was incredibly abusive toward me. I had been kicked out of my parents' house. After I told my mom I had just found out I was pregnant, she let me come home. I initially agonized over the decision to terminate the pregnancy, but when I began, but then I began to see things clearly. What would stop my ex from abusing me in front of the child? How long would it take before he abused the child? Would I even make it through the pregnancy? Unharmed? So I'll just beat him to it. I'll abuse the child. <laughs> I'll just end this life. Then another woman said, I'm one of those older women who had a surprise pregnancy right after my third and youngest child turned 18. I knew right away I couldn't go, I couldn't do it again. I'd be 63 when this one turned 18, which was the age my mother died and her mother as well. I'd be a mother literally all my adult life. Well, my goodness, you <laughs> did. Having had my first adult when I was to bring a child into the world, what did you expect? My significant other isn't in the best of health either. It was an easy decision to make together. Hmm. And another person says, I was in a long-term relationship with my now fiance, stable and financially secure. I just plain did not want a baby and I still don't. I had a surgical abortion. I did not have any intense emotions that some talk about. It felt no different than, to me than um, any other doctor's appointment. 
I wasn't happy or sad, and I wasn't unsure or scared. I didn't have doubts or wonder if I was doing the wrong thing. Afterward, I was happy to know it was over because I knew I didn't want a baby inside me. I just went home, had a pizza, went to bed early, and due to the painkillers and mild anesthesia, I was given the next day continued on just like so, any so other day. So your conscience is sealed with a hot iron. whoop de do. Yeah, I was also I was uh, reading about this former ESPN anchor, and she uh, talked about her abortion at 26, and she um, said her career was everything to her. And she was pursuing her dream of being a sports journalist. She understood clearly that having a child would drastically limit the future I saw for myself. And then she went on to say she was angry, appalled, and disgusted over the court's decision to overturn the Roe v. Wade. And she said although her circumstances at the time weren't dire, weren't she wasn't struggling, she had the financial resources and plenty of family support. But she said she didn't want to bring a child into the into an unstable relationship. Oh, hogwash. The, the thing about these people, they're talking about their health, and then they go to their body, their choice. They just should be honest. They're not concerned about their health. They just don't want something to interfere with their lifestyle. The, I would say the majority. Or their money. Right. Or their job. Yes. Or their, or, I would say the majority of abortions have nothing to do with the person's health. Mm-hmm. There are some that do. But I don't think the ones that are going around there screaming their their body, their choice, has nothing to do with their health. Yeah, it's and, all about and, them. And hypocritical because anytime a baby has come into the world and is able to live in, on its own and his life is whole within the baby itself and is separate from his mother and you still decide to end the child's life, something is wrong with you. And something's wrong with the person who can look at a baby and take its life. So here's this person. I had a live birth out of wedlock. The bulk of my family is very conservative and judgmental. I was ostracized immediately by all my siblings. My siblings eventually reconciled with me three years later and accepted me back into the family after I had chosen to return to attending church. When my child was 13 years old, I was unexpectedly pregnant out of wedlock again. I told no one in my family. So this is an example. There, no, mm-hmm. You don't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. I told no one in my family except one cousin who drove me to the hospital for the abortion. I chose abortion because I am positive my siblings would have repeated their behavior again. And this time my living child would be old enough to witness it, understand it, and feel the pain that my family members caused. You know, and there are a lot of stories about this just like this. The moment I found out I was pregnant, it was overwhelming. I was trapped. I felt my life was over. No matter what I would do, there would be no turning back, and this was my future from now on. But the if thing about you are it is, a man, you can't relate. Oh, hogwash. The thing about, I can't understand is that you are indulging in an activity that the Lord designed to bring forth life. If you don't want to have children, then you shouldn't be indulging in those type of activities. But, I mean, if you're that serious, then get a hysterectomy if you're that serious. Because that's just crazy to bring a child into this world to get pregnant and then decide that, oops, I don't want a child. It has nothing to do with your health. I just can't see myself or my lifestyle or any of that being interrupted by another human being that I am responsible for. 
I mean, it just sounds ridiculous. Well, maybe that's a good thing. Go on a sex strike. Yeah, get a hysterectomy. I think that I think whoever started that online petition should right. You people should sign it. And, and, and Go may, on a may, maybe twenty years ago it would have been effective, mm-hmm. but as harsh as people are today, felony. You won't hardly even notice that they're on a sex strike. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's some other articles that I wanted to talk about, like I don't know how how they teach second graders in Texas. They're changing the term slavery from slavery to involuntary relocation when they talk about slavery. In Texas? Now, what's wrong with these people? Now, I can understand them not wanting to teach critical race theory, but there should be a title for this type of nonsense. If, If they can't teach critical race theory, we shouldn't be teaching fairy tale history. We shouldn't be renaming something so that it doesn't sound as bad as what it really is. To second graders. So they're going to say, oh, they just, they just relocated the Involuntarily. The you know, it was, it was against their wills. They didn't volunteer for it. <laughs> they were drafted so, <laughs> into the army. So it wasn't a volunteer thing. They were just drafted from Africa to America. And then they were just put in, not slavery, but a type of servitude. So they... <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they weren't really forced to just labor in the fields in, in this hot sun. They were just basically, <laughs> I mean, there should, be a, a, there should be some type of title for that type of nonsense. You can't teach critical race theory. You can't teach a bunch of lies either. You can't teach the opposite of it. That doesn't tell the truth. No. It doesn't, it, it, it. It's like smoke and mirrors. Yes. It makes it look like it's a, all okay. Right. And and if it's all okay, why are people taking down statues? Right. It's not okay. Tell the truth. Politicians and presidents right. uh, engaged in slavery. Yes, and parents the out there, those who know, don't let your children get brainwashed that way. Oh, anyway, we're going to have to end this program. Yes, praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. This week's verse of the day comes from Psalm 139, Marie 14 and 16. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book of all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned. When as yet there was none of them. Now, ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's Food for Thought was, what is the Lord's telephone number? And the answer is Jeremiah 33, 3. And, and turn to Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee. So, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Dial Jeremiah 33 and 3. <laughs> <laughs> this week's food for thought is, what does a man with a wise heart do? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought. <laughs>